This is the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. The Everton Our Way. Straight, Straight from, from the street, street end. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. Mr. Johnny Seven here with a special guest. Been travelling around the world, haven't you? Mark, Mark. A special guest. You do know I am the co-presenter of this podcast. Yeah. But we're in the same room. I know, in the same room for once. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's been a good few good few weeks now, has it? Hasn't it's it? Like, it's like going back old school, isn't it? Old school, episode 66. Uh, and we're here just about to get ready to go to the... Um, what game was it, Matt? <laughs> the we're going to watch Lille tonight, Johnny, yeah. <laughs> do you remember the last time we did this in preparation for a match? And it was the Crystal Palace game. Oh, the ill-fated, stormy Crystal Palace night where it got called off. Where Arthur Goodison was blowing down the street, going down the Gladys Street, and it got called off. Um, yeah, so hopefully that doesn't happen again tonight, because um, I don't think the weather... It's cold outside, but I don't think it's going to get called off. We haven't got any high winds or torrential rain like last time. Do you remember sitting in here thinking, I hope this gets called off because it looks horrible out there? <laughs> yeah, and then it did, and then we uh, we lost the rearranged fixture. Um, in embarrassing fa- uh, fashion. Yeah, it was. The last ripped us apart. Um, I'm a bit worried. We're, we're, we're using new recording software today, and it's like going red, like it's telling us it's a war. And is that normal? I don't know. Right, okay. <laughs> this might not actually be recording then. Uh, no, it definitely, definitely, it's definitely recording. Some um, of our listeners would probably be happy if it wasn't recording, to be fair. Oh, just an hour plus of uh, silence. Yeah. It'd probably, probably make more sense. Yeah, you'll probably learn more about Everton from it as well. Yeah, so uh, we've got a few things. We're going to shake the order up a little bit. We're recording before the Lille game, but you'll be listening to it after the Lille game. So we're going to start by looking back at the Swansea game first, going through our usual news, social media, a little bit of a preview of the Sunderland game, and then end on the Lille game. So we review. try and make a Lille review up now and see how close it'll be. Uh, no, because we don't know who's starting. I think it would depend on who's starting. And if Hibbert's starting, he's probably going to be trying to kick Origi up in the air over and over and over again because he's too fast to keep up with. Uh, if it's Coleman starting, then Origi might be pegged back. Uh, is Browning going to start? Is Distan going to start? Is Barry going to start as centre-back? No, I don't think we can. We don't even have to make them decisions anyway because it's all going to be done and dusted by the time they're there. This goes out. The result of the game at the weekend, though, is something we do know about and uh, wasn't really much to write home about. And what's, that, what's that even mean? Uh, I think that it just means that it was that rubbish you wouldn't be bothered putting pen to paper to send a letter home. Yeah, I think. True. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but the, the team line-up, uh, Barkley back in the starting eleven. Uh Etu in the starting eleven and Lukaku on the bench. Uh, Nate Smith in the starting eleven. I said we weren't going to play those th- those four together. So Barkley, Etu, Nate Smith, and Lukaku. I-, I can't see it ever happening in a starting lineup. Can you? Because I haven't spoke to you since then. I think it, it. I think it might happen in some way. You know, as a, as a result of substitutions. Oh, or substitutions. Whatever. Yeah. If we're chasing the but, game, um, I can't see it ever being a starting lineup. Uh, obviously, as you say, there Lukaku was on the bench of this game, and and the other attacking player was was Aidan McGeady in this lineup playing out on the right. Yeah, I think McGeady is still attacking, but he's still because he offers that width. He um, 
it, it, it's just more of a it just fits a little bit better in theory and on paper um, just before we go into the game though something that baffled me and I said this at the match and it's a little bit of reflection on the match we had Seamus Coleman and Aidan McGeady and every time the ball went up our right hand side they were in field and either um, Barry or McCarthy were there like the furthest player right like they were doing the overlap it just absolutely baffled me why that was happening yeah well what seems to be happening is obviously we've talked about this before in the podcast you know with the fact that Seamus gets off field so much usually on the right hand side James McCarthy just drops in to cover it right back but what seems to happen, be happening these days is James McCarthy's dropping in at right back but then also going on the overlap as well it's a bit bizarre leaving us with nobody at the, at the back but I think Particularly in the first half against Swansea, Swansea sat really deep and invited us to play. We had, you know, a lot of a lot of possession, uh, and they were catching us on the counter attack. That that was their game plan. So, you know, we didn't really need that cover on the flanks, and I think that's why you saw players such as McCarthy, you know, be, being in the midst of the play uh, out wide, particularly on the right. It's funny, wasn't it? Uh, Roberto came out uh, after the game and said he was surprised at the way uh, Swansea came to play. And do you think that's a little bit of a dig? Because he laid those foundations for them as a footballing team, the way we kind of set up now that we, you know, we, 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 we like to play, 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 and just not try and not park the bus like and a counter-attack. And I think it was a little bit of a dig without... Go- going as much as Martinez will ever throw a dig because he's not he's not really uh, known for it is he I mean we we do play in a certain way that invites teams to sort of come out and have a go at us especially you know if we get the first goal early that that's what we do then we keep possession we try to lure teams out and then we we, we try to hit them Swansea did that but just in a slightly different way uh, in a way that you know they, they really sat deep invited us onto them after all, they are we are the home team. That is what you know. Our crowd insists we do at home is go at teams, and then it, they were just trying to catch us on the break. There was quite a few instances in the first half, wasn't it, with long balls coming up to the likes of Boney, uh, a couple of other players who who, who they had playing, uh, and there was a couple of chances created for Swansea. Even though we had you know virtually all, I think we had seventy percent possession or yeah, something just, daft just, in the first half. Something close to that. They probably looked. More like scoring, had the, the best chance of the first half, but we're obviously where we're Boney went through one on one with Tim Howard. Yeah, and for the life of me, I mean, I thought Tim Howard had saved that, saved that, and and you know, you, you know, the way Boney started this season, the way he played last season, what a good finisher he is, what and you know what good control, and you know, thought that was a save. I think everyone was sat down thinking it was already one nil to Swansea, and I thought Tim Howard got a toe on it, and um, he tried to do him with the eyes instead of like. Just blasting it, he tried to side foot it near post as such, uh, and it looks like Tim Howard's managed to get a toe on it. But he, he, the ref gave a goal kick. Yeah, I mean it was it, it was a good save I thought because I, I you know I basically looked away thinking we were one 0 down. Yeah. It, you know it was a shoe in for the goal, uh, but obviously yeah, as you said there, I thought Tim Howard got got a, something on it. I thought he'd saved it initially. Well, he um, must have done because all the players... And then we all just sat there in absolute confusion, didn't we, thinking, how have we got All the players were, were gathering for a corner. A play, their players were heading up, and our players were heading back into the box for, for a corner. And um, they didn't even show it on Match of the Day or anything, this 
So uh, it was generally though a very poor refereeing performance. However, I'm not gonna have a go with the ref because he was generally poor against both sides. I thought. Well, I thought he balanced himself out in in, in poorness. Is that a word? Poorness. poorness. I don't know. Isn't that somebody porosity? <laughs> poorness. Isn't that some uh, somebody who uh, is a the, the missus of a porn mogul? A porness, oh, possibly. Yeah. Yes. But anyway, yeah. The referee was terrible for both sides. Um, no more so than when Everton got very lucky when uh, Lord Voldemort himself, John Joe Shelby, had a, a bit of a strike from outside the box. Uh, not too much power in it, but uh, Alcaraz decided he fancied himself as uh, Tim Howard. Yeah. Yeah, he just decided to go down with his hand instead of uh, trying to get his foot in front of the ball. Outstretched the left hand, saved it, um, and two things come from that. One is that I've now realised that Alcaraz is possibly the stupidest man alive because usually when a player handballs in the box or, or another part of the pitch, they're like, pretend it's hit another part of the body. Have you ever noticed this? They're like, rub the head like it hit them in the face or yeah. pretend oh, yeah, they're winded because yeah, yeah. it's hit them in the stomach. Alcaraz got up and shook his hand like he just did. Oh, no, like he didn't. really stung his I, hand. I, I thought he got up and grabbed his shirt on his chest area and started pulling it down. And no, like it, looked, it hit him there. It looked to me as if he started shaking his hand as if to say, ow, that really stung my hand. We have to stop shaking now because yeah, cause <laughs> our microphone's going all over the show. It probably sounds like we're in that, at that Crystal Palace game uh, last season. It's one of those things where you can't verbally describe a shaking of the hand motion without doing it. Yeah. I find. It's like, it's like calling someone a wanker without doing a wanker sign yeah yeah I've nearly just done that as well um, yeah so that was that was point one from that yeah uh, point number two is that Alcaraz is now uh, the keeper at, at Evan that's that's made the most saves after Tim Howard because I can't recall Joel Robles <laughs> ever making the saves yeah <laughs> yeah good point um but we, we seriously though we could have been one nil down from the bony chance and we could have been a man down and uh, another goal down uh, through a penalty so we were rather fortunate we had a lot of efforts which didn't really come to anything like from around the, the edge of the box which are blocked down or straight at the goalie and I thought we played fairly well in the first half without ever really looking like scoring uh, you know we, as we say controlled possession I thought McGeady looked fairly lively you know he looked, every time he got the ball he just seemed to have a little bit something about him looked the most likely to create something a um, little bit disappointed in Stephen Naismith who seemed to not really ever get into the game particularly in the first half and also the same you could say about Ross Barkley well let me just let me just address those three players in order McGeezy um, again I thought I agree with you I think he was our most likely but so he, he's a player who needs to mix it up he doesn't need to trick people all the time he doesn't need to just step over or the flick flack or the Marseille turn or the McGeady roll or all these things he doesn't have you just run out of tricks that you know the name of now yeah or the Blanco bounce and, or yeah like a Cruyff turn Cruyff turn yeah he doesn't need Rab- to do is it Rabona the, the, that one I think he scored the other yeah day. the Rabona yeah he doesn't need to do them all the time does he sometimes you can just knock the ball with your instep Inside and try and get a unleash a shot instead of trying, you know, a little step over, uh, Phil Neville super step over, um, or you can just kick a ball past someone and run onto it. That as well, because he's got. A, he's, I mean, he's not yeah. the paciest, but he's got a little bit more pace than some of these yard dog central defenders, hasn't he? So, 
Um, I mean, that's what my, my criticism of McGeady. Sometimes if he just knocked the ball inside or just knocked the ball to the byline, ran onto it, got a cross in, I think he might be a little bit more productive. I think he he actually, a lot of the time, slows down attacks and slows down in particular counter-attacks by doing some sort of tricky type of control at first. He tends to, the ball will come over to him and instead of just attacking the byline and, and trying to get in behind the defence, he'll instantly try and like control and flick it back and come back inside, which really slows down. Yeah, uh, you know a quick attack. So it's it's difficult to you know he was our most likely, but I think he would have been even more likely if he'd have, you know, uh, who was the second one? Naismith. Naismith, yeah, I thought Naismith struggled. Yeah, I think if you look at last the the week before uh, the Burnley game, Etu played off Lukaku and thrived. Um, but in the Swansea game, he played Etu up top and Naismith behind him. And Naismith struggled, and Eto struggled a little bit. He was great. He no, I thought, I thought Eto was okay. I thought, you know, he, you know, I should say he looked good on the ball. You know, he was making good runs. He always wanted the ball. So I'm not going to criticise Eto. I actually thought Eto did all no, right. I, 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 I put on our Facebook. He was one of the few players to come out of the game with credit. Yeah, I actually think Naismith's suffering a little bit from Barkley being back because oh, they've got the same. And, and you know, at the minute, it's as if. Balls are going up to Naismith and all he's expected to do is win a header and try and get it knocked down to Barkley and then it's for Barkley to try and make something happen. Whereas at the start of the season it was more, you know, Naismith was seeing a lot of balls to feet, you know, in that sort of area and being able to turn, have a look and play people in and, and that's how he was finding pockets of space and, and, and then breaking through to score goals. So I just think Barkley coming back into the team has affected Naismith. Well, going on to Barkley and... Um I think Phil Jagielka has come out this week and said that he'll, he'll, he thinks he'll be fine coping with uh, clubs who put man-to-man marking on him. And I don't necessarily think that's what happened on, on at the weekend. I just thought he, he did get a... brought down a lot. He was, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't he think... was targeted. Yeah, and I don't think he ever found his stride. And whether that was because he was getting hacked down every time he was on the ball or not, I, I couldn't say, but... There was times where he had the ball in space and he, and he absolutely cocked it up. Like there was one stage in the second half, wasn't oh, there, yeah. where he, he kicked his own leg or something, and, and it just sort of, you know, was it was it a snapshot of the day he was having? I just think he had a, a bad game, and that happens, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, I think the, the way he started in the first half, and then you, you know yourself when you're in, even in five aside, any level of footy, if you do something rubbish and you do a few things rubbish, you're determined. To do to make up for it, like by having shots from like forty yards, and then and you end you, up looking even more rubbish, and you go even and it gets yeah. even worse and worse and worse sometimes, and sometimes you'll end up you know just just knocking one in the top corner, and then people forget about your bad performance, and I think maybe he was so desperate to do that that it just kept get, it kept escalating, and he just uh, I think he was lucky not to go off in the end because um, they, they took uh, McGeady off. Um, in, instead of Barkley, and then put Barkley over to McGeady's position. I thought, I think he was sulking a little bit as well, Barkley. You know, because he 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 seemed to be stuck out on the left a little bit uh, at times. And you know, is that where you want to see Ross Barkley? No, I mean, it, it, obviously we, we jumped ahead a little bit there to, with the substitutions and things. We we've got to say that you know Alcaraz got injured. Yeah, uh, didn't he? And uh, with a, uh, challenge with Boney. Yeah, yeah, challenge with Boney went off and. Uh, it looked like Tony Ibber got recalled from warming up and we started to strip his, strip his kit off and we were all thinking you know who's going to come on here will will Bessic come in at centre half will Ibber come in at centre half 
uh, and for all intents and purposes it, it looked like Hibbo he was already getting undressed uh, but then substitution team to get changed last minute and, and Bessic come on uh, and Gareth Barry dropped in at centre half and I actually thought he had a very very good game once yeah, he dropped definitely, back definitely, uh, yeah. looked totally comfortable um, didn't look out of place at all uh, obviously he was did he, did he I'm right in saying Boney was yeah Boney was still on the pitch wasn't he for a little while yeah. he dealt with Boney for a while and then when Boney went off and Swansea made their substitution and they brought um, Gomi on Batafemi Gomi who's pretty much a like for like swap isn't he for, yeah. for Boney in terms of stature both you know big muscular lads um, and, and Barry dealt with him as well also so uh, I actually thought you know Barry looked very assured there and, and played well I wonder with that with that substitution, um, you know, you you look at when John Stones is playing, uh, Jags is the left centre back and he lets Stones take that right centre back position. But Jags is more comfortable as a right centre back. Yeah, of course, yeah. So maybe him being left centre back with Hibbert as a right centre back, they just looked at the balance of that and thought that's not going to work out. And then he brought Barry as a left centre back and let Jags be more comfortable there. I think what was probably playing in his mind is the fact that we were having so much possession and playing so much in their half. Yeah. Baines and Coleman were so far up. I think he wanted a left-footed centre-half to yeah. be able to come out and feel a bit more. You know, Barry's much more comfortable at left-back, for instance, than, say, Jagielka would be or, or Bessic or Hibby. I think we've just spoke our first bit of sense on the podcast in a, just over a year. <laughs> well, we have our moments. Um, yeah, so... Uh, and now I'm now I'm stumped because <laughs> I mean, what you, else happened in the game? You, you've stupefied yourself with our own no, intelligence, no, have you? No, I'm just I'm thinking what else happened in that game. We we, well, we continued to yeah pile on the pressure. Very little. Lukaku came on, looked slightly promising for five minutes, then just became obsessed with trying to get the crowd to to be a bit louder and forgot that he was actually playing up front for Everton again. Um, I think no, I I, I think, think a little bit harsh there. I. Th- feel like the first five, ten minutes that he came on, so he was running the channels, desperate to get it on get it on the end of something, running, 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 constantly trying to get on the end. And nothing came through. Nobody played tried to play a through ball, nobody tried to play anything down the middle. It was always down to either Baines and Etu had gone over to the right at this point. Um it seemed by by this point, Shelby had, had gone off, hadn't he? Yeah, we forgot to mention that. Obviously, you know what was possibly the the most exciting part of the game, really, and and the most amusing was John Joe Shelby getting him sent off. I get the feeling he still thinks he's some sort of like Anfield legend who has to, you know, be some sort of like hard man stroke winder upper of Everton fans, even though he's got doesn't play for Liverpool anymore. That he, he just seems to be like really het up for this game. I mean, his first booking was kicking a ball away, daft. Yeah, ridiculous. Because uh, it was a foul, clear foul, and he kicked the ball away. And he just can't do that. The second, I thought the second one, McCarthy had a, a rare surge through the middle, and uh, Shelby was stood in his way. <laughs> I don't think he made any attempt to block him. He was just in his way. I think he knew what he was doing. Yes, but sometimes to get given, sometimes you don't. But it, it was a uh, goodbye, John Joe Shelby. Yeah. So many choruses of uh, red and white shite, hello, hello. Yeah. Um, but as, as I was saying, you know, he'd gone off. Etu had gone over to the right. But it, we seemed, it seemed like they still had more, like, it seemed like they had more men than us. That maybe they went a little bit more compact. 
Uh, I think it was. I think it was just because obviously we were sat in a Gladys and Everton with attacking the Gladys Street end. So every we could see all the banks of the Swansea players right in front of us. Uh, and we just couldn't unlock the door, could we? That was, that was the problem. I mean, our best chance probably came with the last very last kick of the game and yeah. I think that got flagged offside anyway didn't it where the ball got fired across the if box only, if, if Etty would have just banged that rather than trying to side foot it he could finish from there couldn't he well yeah, I think he could finish from anywhere yeah um, yeah it was, it was frustrating because as you, as you say they, they had those banks of um, the, the, the banks of defenders midfielders and one up top uh, but it, rather than we've seen clubs and teams come to us and when we've had a player sent off They'll go from side to side and switch it, switch play until players come out and then he switches to the other side and try and exploit the space. And we didn't do that. We just tried. We, we played very, very slow build-up. If it went out to Baines, uh, I think PNR was on uh, at this point as well and made no contribution. Uh, well, one attempted through ball, uh, which was it really um, again I think you're being a bit harsh there because I thought as soon as Pienaar came on we looked a bit better on that left hand side and I thought oh, yeah, Baines, better, sort of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Baines cheered up a little bit and there was there was one ball that got played into Pienaar and he did a little roll of his body and his little, a little flick turn round and got it before he it. played did it and you know I, I, as much as I think he has slowed down as much as I think he's got his detractors these days I do still think he's our best option on that left hand side oh yeah I'm yeah, not yeah, saying yeah. he's a better player than Ross Barkley, but I think he's a better player in that position. Uh, you know, than as our left hand side attack player, I think he should be starting games. Yeah, uh, but what what me, me point was kind of like when we were going down that left hand side, it was you know Etu was kind of lost over on the right on his own and instead of like you know trying to get the ball quickly over to him to exploit that space and then try and break it down we were just happy to just knock it about on the left hand side and just very very it was just it seemed very 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 patient and what we needed was a little bit of urgency we were at home we had 11 on 10 and we we could have put the game to bed with a little bit of urgency um, but you know it, it it ended up finishing nil nil it was nil nil and it was a little bit of a you know it was a little bit of a a kick in the stomach really wasn't it because obviously you know Liverpool had got beat that weekend so what do Everton traditionally do when we have an opportunity to go above them we we mess it up shit the bed yeah exactly yeah so uh, we had a good chance there to know sort of get one over on our neighbours go above them for a little bit uh, going into the next weekend where they've also got a tough game and we potentially got a game that you think we should get something out of Um, so yeah it was one of them you walked away just sort of shaking your head and and, and not really knowing what to say about the performance. It was a point, you know, at the end of the season, it could be a point that we needed, but I think it was two points wasted, really. On reflection, though, I mean, gutted walking away, gutted in the night, and then, you know, it, it, Bob Latchford was in players afterwards, and he kind of put a little bit of a, um, you know, positive spin on it. Swansea are a good side. They're above us. Oh, yeah, they are. They had... What one great opportunity which uh, Howard say saved stroke Boney missed I mean Boney should have put it away no matter what anyway uh, Alcaraz could have gone off uh, for a deliberate handball in the penalty area you know they, they came to, they came parked the bus had a few good chances could have nicked it and we've got a point so I've got two questions I want to ask you before we, before we finish on this number one after that game did we make a mistake buying Lukaku instead of Boney? Uh, well, 
No, I think Lukaku's got a good few years on him. And Boney's 25, Lukaku's whatever, 20, 21. Yeah, exactly. We, we, we're buying... We're buying present and future in Lukaku, whereas with Boney, I think we would have been buying present. And so you still think Lukaku was was I'd love to the have right had, option. I'd love to have had both. Okay. Question number two. On I left straight. Usually I stay out after the game, but because I had to go to work, I went straight away. Yeah, you didn't even say goodbye. You I, well, I don't know. I lost you in the ground, but. Um, I did something very rare, which was I got in a car straight after the match, and the radio was on, and, and the the phoning was on on, on oh, Radio we, City or some I don't know Merseyside, whatever. Lots of fume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of people shouting the odds off and talking more rubbish than we do on the podcast. But um, one fella rang in and he basically said he thinks, in his opinion, James McCarthy is the most consistent footballer he's ever seen in his life, and he was he was adamant about this. He was serious. He said. I'm telling you now, I have never seen a footballer as consistent as him. He said, since the day that lad joined the club, every game, he's been a 7 or 8 out of 10. He's never had a bad game. And he is just, you know, you know exactly what you're getting with him. And it's brilliant every week. And I sat there and thought, do you know what? I can't actually argue with that. No. So what would make him, what would take him from being consistently good to world class? I'm starting to already think what he does. He is world class. Yeah, but what you know in on world stage terms, five I, five goals a season. I think. No, I, 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 I think. just don't think he. You know that's necessary in his game. I think you know everything we do. He's after. He's the heartbeat behind it. And you know again, I thought he. I, I thought he was probably our best player. Gareth Barry played well, especially with the change of position. Well, Bessage did all right when he came on. Bessage did okay when he came on. Um, but I thought James McCarthy again was was man of the match, and I, you know every single game of the season it's been either him or, or you know at the start of the season it was Stevie Naismith a couple of times. But you know James McCarthy, I just I, I just can't say enough good things about him at the minute. Yeah, something uh, I I remembered when I was in work today as well. I put it on our Facebook. Um, it was our traditional remembrance uh, tribute fi- uh, fixture because it was the closest home game we had before uh, the 11 to the 11 and before the game they brought uh, past past and present soldiers onto the pitch uh, to do uh, a, a, a minute silence or a period of silence which where they had like a what was it a buglist or something yeah he was playing you know a, I forget what the name of it is now and I should know I do know but for some reason it just escaped my brain but he was playing obviously you know a tune on on, the, on his bugle that's that, that one, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're going to use you, but God, this isn't any time for remembering Sunday. But but yeah, you know, it was a a touching you know, moment. Uh, but but Samuel Esso, yeah, class. You know, went round shaking hands, having a chat that's with all it, the soldiers, you know, giving them hugs. Who's Samuel Esso to uh, England and uh, Great Britain and their wars? You know, and their soldiers even. You know, he's an African and he's a world football uh, great. And none of, I mean, I would say none of our other players. You know, he is kind of closest to the centre circle. and But he went over and he shook the hands and he hugged them. And, you know, those soldiers, next soldiers, they're just normal lads who've happened to, you know, give you know their lives to the country, they're fighting for the country. And they're still going to be big Evertonians there, aren't they? And that would have made their day, as well as being an Goodison. You know, Samuel Eto'o, 
Yeah, I mean, Eto, it just he just looks he, he looks happy to be at Everton, and you know he looks like he's enjoying himself, and you know that makes me smile to be honest. Because well, I'm happy. I was going to save this for the for the news. Well, we talk about the news in the news as well. But pictures come out today in the Everton kit with the uh, the half season tickets. Uh, advertisements and he, him and uh, Stephen Pienaar there in the Everton Christmas jumpers smiling their asses off and just it's like Etu in an Everton Christmas jumper yeah you know he is a bit of a style merchant as well I don't think he'll be rocking one of them round town do you no I don't think he'll have his fedora on with his Everton Christmas jumper <laughs> and his leather pants um, but you know we're light hearted about it now but uh, we were uh, more than disappointed on uh, Saturday um, but you know, we just had to brush ourselves off, dust ourselves down. Did I get those two mixed up? Probably mean the same thing. But come on, <laughs> and uh, you know we've got Lille to look forward to, or look back at, and Sunderland um, at the weekend. So we've, we're still we're still putting a run of games together. You know, we got the the Lille away draw, and we got at either side of that, we got two wins. So let's just stick at it. And like go undefeated for a little while and keep the confidence going. And um, any more to add on Swansea, or should we have a little bit of news? No, I think we've managed to cream half an hour out of uh, a border nil nil. So uh, let's move on to a bit of news. News. So as far as news goes for the week, um, again games thick and fast so there's not an awful lot of news this week um, but there are a few little bits of uh, funny and not so funny snippets coming out the first there's been a couple of big Twitter reactions hasn't there this week yeah 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 the two stories in particular yeah so first of all Leon Osman uh, the funny bit uh, he had his testimonial dinner this week and you're going to tell us about it, aren't you, Mark? Because I, I, I saw the link, but I didn't see the video. Yeah, there is there's a video going around at the moment of, of Leon uh, doing a turn on the karaoke at his uh, testimonial dinner. Um, if anyone hasn't seen this, go and have a look at it, because it is, it is quite amusing. Um, I don't know whether he was put up to it by the other players. However, he actually seems like he wants to do it, and he's enjoying himself. Um, randomly, it looks like Leon Osmond's uh, karaoke song of choice is... Boom Shake the Room by uh, Will Smith um, he does seem to know all the words yeah, nice one do you think I think he booked himself as the uh, entertainment at his own uh, testimonial dinner and that was the uh, the peace day resistance or whatever however you say that possibly um, yeah but it, it is quite amusing so uh, yeah if if that floats your boat Leon Osman prancing around singing Boom Shake the Room get on it um, the second bit of Leon Osman news, uh, I have subtitled this um, Twitter fumes. Um, Twitter fumes. Fumes. Is that like like chemicals coming out of Twitter that get into your nose and, and kill your well, brain? Well, many people reacted like it was a bad smell. Is fumes a scouse word, or is fumes a general word? Fuming. Uh, I don't know. We haven't done a scouse dictionary for a while, have we? No. Fume. When you're fuming, it means you're angry. Yeah, but fuming in a scouse. Spelling is F E W M M I N N N. Fuming, fuming lad, fuming lad. Um, rather than F U M I N G in a traditional English Oxford dictionary sense. So what we're saying about this piece of news is this Leon Osman news is that Twitter is fuming, i.e., Twitter is angry. T- Twitter 
uh, angry, yeah. Angry Twitter. That's a shock, isn't it? Um, and news was, uh, no, Leon Osman didn't run over um, a small child. He yeah. didn't um, sac- uh, sacrifice uh, poor little kittens by throwing them in a canal. He uh, was granted a one-year contract extension at Everton. Yeah, I don't... What did we expect? I'm sure he's going to get a one-year contract extension every year now until he finishes playing football. Yeah. I mean, if he'd have signed a 10-year contract extension on Lukaku money, then I would be on the Twitter fume bandwagon, perhaps. But uh, what do you... I don't know. The We've discussed this. People, Evertonians, certain Evertonians like to hate. They need a figure of hate. And for some of them, Leon Osman is it. Yeah, I talked about this last week um, on, on the pods about uh, his book being not uh, brought out at the best time because he's uh, not doing particularly well and he's coming out with semi-controversial statements in that. Nah, semi, yeah. Do you know what? If any of these idiots that go on Twitter and slag him off met him in the street, they'd all be like, all right, Leon, lad. Leon, All right. Leon, Can Leon. I picture Leon? All right. Your boss, you, Leon. It's only when they're on Twitter they get hard. It's just because it's so faceless and thoughtless that to just send a... And it's fashionable. It's fashionable to slag off Leon Osman. The lad was getting England calls up last season. Yeah. Um, but now he's, you know, now he's not worth a one-year contract extension at Evan. Behave yourselves. Yeah. It's, you know, he, he's our vice-captain at times, isn't he? When... when uh, when Jagielka goes off, sometimes he stands in as captain. Um, so, I'm going to use the word icon. He's a club icon. He's been there start to finish. Yeah, he might not be a legend, but you know, but he, but he's Everton through and through. So for that only, he gets a one year contract like extension. Hibbo. Exactly. Like people on, on the Hibbo hate. If we didn't offer Hibbo a one year extension next year, then I'd be fuming. Yeah. <laughs> because because the lad deserves to be looked after now until. Whenever, because he's been so loyal to Everton, so, so, so there you go. Um, Twitter suddenly became a happier place, though, didn't it? A, a day or two later. Yeah. Also, um, Alcaraz. Al- people weren't rejoicing because Alcaraz had just won the lottery and decided to share it with no. all of us. Were they rejoicing because Alcaraz had just gone to the UN and established world peace? No. Because Alcaraz uh, was out for 12 weeks uh, with his dislocated shoulder, Twitter rejoiced. The same Twitter idiots that slag off Leon Osman were happy that an Everton player has dislocated his shoulder and was out for 12 weeks. An Everton player who, over the last four or five weeks, has done very little wrong and started to really look like an Everton player for the first time. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Everton squad player, yeah, but no, but he started. He, I, he's I doing he's all right. He's doing all right. I'm going to go as far as I think he's played well. He's doing all right, I think. Since he uh, came in, obviously we're doing this in a tongue-in-cheek kind of way, you know. Um, <laughs> we can see see where people are coming from a little bit, but just come on. But with Everton, with Everton, aren't we? So just... I still can't see why people would celebrate him getting injured. Oh no, 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 and, no. Still, and especially at a time at the moment where obviously you know Stones is out, Distan's. M- Miles out of favour. Um, it leaves us very threadbare at the back. Yeah. So I don't know. I think we just get get behind them. Everyone's gonna have like the the, the players they don't really like, but um, just I don't know. Like, like keep it to yourself. Tell your mates. Just jumping go... on a Twitter bandwagon. Yeah. Did you see that thing about uh, copy behaviour? 
Twitter this week, uh, Rio Ferdinand banned for three games and fined £25,000 for responding to a tweet um, by calling somebody a sket. A sket? It's like a skank or a slut or a slag. Was it a girl he called a sket? Yeah, he. Uh, it's, it's a I've t- never even heard that phrase. It's a term used. It's, have you ever seen kiddlehood or adulthood? Yeah, I have, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a, a Noel Clark kind of what he kind of puts in his films. So did it, he, it was the rest of the tweet, she's a sket in it, blood. Yeah. Was it like that, was it? <laughs> yeah, it's used, it's a term um, uh, used to describe uh, a promiscuous young woman. <laughs> Quite like the sound of these skets. <laughs> Skets on cat. Um, just say no. Sketty on toast. <laughs> but that's a little bit harsh on Rio, don't you think? Well... Ah, it's not like he can't afford it, is he? No, I suppose. But three, three, uh, three match ban. Oh, but th- sorry, I just thought he got twenty-five. A three match ban. Yeah. You gave him that the, the FA. FA, yeah. That is ash. That's like, you know, somebody, somebody follows your Twitter. All right, these are players who are celebrities, right, and get paid handsomely. But somebody follows your Twitter and sends you. A direct message. It's not a direct message, as in inbox, but something that's something that is directed at you, at your your Twitter handle. It's a direct insult, and you can't respond to that. Are, are you asking me because you know me? You know I just rip them apart and say all sorts of stuff that I could. <laughs> I just can't help but fight. Yeah, but if if they if they if somebody came back, say if, if you if you turned into one of the haters, and then. You, we, you we, obviously, we only ever get positive feedback, don't we? So we wouldn't know what it's like to get a bit of hate, <laughs> yeah, would we? Yeah, yeah. No, but we, if we got suddenly got a, a, a three-day Facebook ban because we responded to somebody who gave us shit on one of our pages, then it'd be, it's ludicrous, isn't it? We don't it get is. paid handsomely for oh, it, though. We, no. we, we pay to do it. No, it is. It's, it's, it's harsh, but it sets a precedent now, doesn't it? So every time a footballer says anything slightly, you know... Outrageous on Twitter. Does that mean three match ban? Um, so all these people who say Gary Lineker, shat your pants, pants you shat, your wife shat pants on you, and all this kind of stuff, which is going on for weeks and weeks and weeks, and Gary Lineker suddenly responds and gets sacked from the BBC. I I, I don't know. That that just doesn't sit right with me. That um, no matter what they get paid, you can't. It's you can't just. It doesn't give you license to abuse people just because the. Like offensively abuse people. If you're saying you're rubbish because you've had a bad performance today, but if you suddenly start saying like, I don't, know. I don't you're know. on your high horse. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, we're cutting it's into it. Absolutely time, nothing yeah. to do with Everton. This. No, but it's it still, you know, it's, it, it it kind of relates to uh, the Twitter thing with Leon Osman. Although there's not a direct Adam, although there was some, and then the Sylvan Distan uh, incident incidents which have happened re- uh, recently in the recent years. You know, if he, you know, he's, he's done it a few times. Um, anyway, actually, just while we stick on Twitter, very briefly, one of Stephen Pienaar's favourites on his Twitter account is a is a um, meme. He's only got something like seventeen or something, or maybe seventy favourites. And like I favour everyone, as everyone <laughs> people respond all the time. Um, one of his is Stephen Gerrard slipping. He's <laughs> one of Stephen Pienaar's favourites, so he's like, I've got well, on. one of the people he follow, follows is Stephen Gerrard slipping. No. He's favourited a picture that someone's tweeted of Stephen Gerrard slipping over. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> so, uh, proper blue. Like proper blue, that. 
Um, anyway, uh, so next bit of news we got uh, something we said a little bit about the pictures came out today of uh, Samuel Eto'o and Stephen Pina, as I just mentioned, uh, in uh, Everton uh, Christmas jumpers advertising uh, half season tickets. Uh, good yeah, deal. It is a good deal. I was quite surprised that you know they brought them out this year because I think most games so far have been sellouts, haven't they? And, and I know obviously that you know the full season tickets sold better than ever this year. I would have thought maybe they'd like to keep a few tickets spare for, for match days and, and walk-up tickets, but uh, it looks like you know it could be even harder the second half of the season to, to get a ticket for anyone taking up the uh, the half-season option. Well, I, I heard numbers, something like we sold something like 31,000 season tickets So in, in the end. I don't know what went down. I did. I thought it was more about 25, well, maybe, 26. Maybe we have 31,000. We sold, we sold about 27. So they maybe they're the counting on selling a few, a good few hundred of them now, maybe up to 1,000, maybe even 2,000. Yeah, and but as you say, it's well priced, isn't it? So the kids' I, prices know. especially. You know, 10 games. Uh, what, what is it? 10 games? 50, yeah, well, the, the full season ticket price for the kids is £99. So I'd imagine it's going to be 50 quid for, for an after season. So that's, yeah, 10, 10 games for 50 quid. Um, so you're getting basically one game free on top of that as well. Exactly. That's just, that's, that is unbelievable value, that. And um, again, stupid cop uh, jumping on this saying, ah, selling your half season tickets. And it's the same stupid cop who have been on their 17 year waiting list um, while they sat at home. And I can't out. afford to go to the match these days, lads. You know, it's so expensive and that I can't. You can't get a ticket. It's them cop Yeah. Well, would they laugh at us for giving tickets for like for kids to for five or ten pound a game, and yet in, a, in another breath they moan because they can't afford to go themselves. Yeah, just on that note, go on. Um, there's been a lot of criticism about the pricing for the Leo games. Tonight, oh yeah, hasn't yeah. They're, they're worrying about it. You know, maybe the, the attendance being down on, on other games just for the fact that uh, they're charging pretty much full whack. And do you think it's thirty four quid? Is it for the ticket? Yeah, ticket? I mean, I got three notifications from Everton yesterday in a row. From, from the Everton app uh, saying get your Lille tickets and I think that, you know you have got one I'm, I'm assuming me, uh, me, me auto cup schemes went out they wouldn't send you that ticket if it did that notification shut up they do go tell to everyone I never got it yeah you did no I never oh well I'll just have to run around the box office and get, get one, of, one of the many tickets uh, that will be available bloody hell um, ticket roulette again at 8 o'clock at night oh yeah we'll have to get there early then <laughs> Um, I was going to uh, suggest that we put that on our social media section but because we're so uh, pushed for time now um, too much waffling about Rio Ferdinand and his Twitter uh, we did put a question out there today is this the stumbling block that you know is stopping people from going tonight and is it just because it's a cold winter's night people went to the Lille away trip uh, they're just not that bothered about Europa or it's just one game too many financially. No, you price this twenty quid for adults, or you know eighteen quid for adults, and a you know a five or a tenner for kids, uh, and you sell the place out all night, no matter how cold it is. So they've kind of shot themselves in the foot because there's going to be about twenty five thousand there tonight, maybe twenty eight, twenty 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 five, twenty eight thousand. Yeah, and I think the the problem you have as well is you know Evertonians aren't stupid, and they're looking at the prices around Europe, and Krasnodar are giving their tickets away for three quid for Europa games, and. Leal are giving their tickets away for £16 for Europa League games. They're doing, apparently they did a deal. They did a deal where it's 20 quid for all three games or something. So, um, you know, how can we justify the same game, putting on the same matches for, for 
you know, double over double the price or ten times the price when for the Krasnodar game. So, you know, I understand it's a balancing act, isn't it? I mean, we wanted European football, now we've got it. People are saying they don't want to pay the prices. It's a tough one, isn't it? For me and you, it's pretty easy, isn't it? Really, we just have to buy our own ticket. It's for the the fellas who go with the kids, and you know, they've got to get three or four tickets and. Uh, extra games are costing them 120 quid a night or something that's where it gets difficult isn't it so I can see both sides of the argument really yeah so maybe uh, Everton in future once we get into the Champions League next season when we win the Europa and finish fourth so we get double Champions League shot um, we will take that into consideration and do maybe uh, dads and lads deals or full family deals And well if we're in the Champions League next year every game will be utter full price it'll be 45 quid every Champions League game and nobody will complain but you know you, you, no one will complain because it's the Champions League you will, you'll still you still have to play some no mark side but if it's a, if it's a qualifier yeah, you, you, they don't do discounts on Champions League there won't be any discount if it's in the Champions League game because it's the Champions League right okay so it was I mean it, it's, a, it's a sore subject and uh, I'm hoping I mean if we get through to the group stage we've got Krasnodar still to come at home I can't see that being full whack, can you? Well, I suppose it depends what's riding on the game on the night. If we're already qualified, if we get three points in the tonight, something cheap? against Wolfsburg away, I think they will put the price right down because I think they'll be looking at a crowd of about 14,000 or something. So I think they will. I think that will be a cheap one. Hopefully. I mean, yeah. I'm, a, I'm not averse to paying for a cheaper ticket if I can do. Like. Well, it's always nice. Um, you haven't paid anything for the ticket yeah it doesn't sound like you've got one I'm, I'm, as soon as I'm off here I'm just going to have to I check I love when we got there it was my a sell out my money's gone out <laughs> um, last few little bits of news uh, Leighton Baines today nominated for player of the month in the Premier League uh, he's in there I don't think he's going to win it when you look at who he's in there with I think uh, Aguero's up there and uh, quite a few other Pele. I didn't see I didn't see the full list I, I'm assuming Pelé's up there there's but five I'm, players I'm, assu- I'm assuming a... Sacco's on it and maybe Ber- is Berahino on there or anyway no, players who've had more of an impact Sanchez, than Baines Sanchez Aguero Pelé oh Sanchez yeah there was a few there anyway so I, I don't think uh, Baines is probably going to be we've uh, only had uh, seven people who, who won it apparently and the last one was Fellaini in 2012 really? yeah interesting so, yeah. If you ask me, James McCarthy wins it every month. Yeah. If it's ground covered, tackles made, um, just mopping up, then McCarthy, yeah. The most consistent player in football ever in any country or any game. Um, proven. Last little bit of news, Ross Barkley back in the England squad. Yeah. Along with a load of other no marks. <laughs> yeah. Stuart Downing, Michael Caddick, uh, Berahino gets his first call up. Bit of an experimental one. Uh, I'm not by any means suggesting that Ross Barkley is an experimental choice. He is the future of England. Uh, so, be interesting to see if he starts the game. Did a uh, little, little tired boy from across the park get a call up? Probably. Yeah. Um, I think they'll probably knock back his nap time a little bit, won't he? So we can play next time. They'll blame from that mistake. Anyway, that's our news section, and uh, we best get our shit together and get off to the uh, to get the home of football are we going to match now are we and then we'll record the rest of this afterwards yeah we'll have to record the rest you might notice a little bit of a drop in quality or an increase in quality because depending on whether we use my old iPhone 4S or Mark's new iPhone 6 ok <laughs> right in a bit blues
This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. Okay, Blues, just on the way back from the match now. Uh, what a match it was. Well, saying that, wasn't the best game, but a uh, great result in the end. Uh, I thought Lille would put up more of a fight than that, if I'm honest. Um, they just didn't really show that much. I think the, the, the most what they showed was in the first five, ten minutes when they were kicking Stephen Naismith up in the air. So, um, but, but, you know, good performance, good solid professional performance from the Blues. Nice uh, nice goals, great finish from Osman. Um, good diving header from Jags with a, a good corner for once. And... Uh, Great turn and shot after a nice bit of play from Lukaku feeding in Bainsey and turn and finish. Just hammered into the roof of the net by uh, Stevie Naismith, who deserved a goal. Uh, I've not seen a highlight so far, but I've heard that Lukaku's second offside, um, where he went through onto a cushion pass, he was at least two yards, and we were, we were behind the Gladys Street goal, and it looked like he come. Th- Passed uh, in between the two Lille defenders, so I don't know how that was an offside decision. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. I'll probably see it and uh, you know take me uh, take take it back what I'm saying now. But it, it did seem like a poor decision. Uh, and Lukaku, for all his uh, you know huffing and puffing and the odd poor touch here and there. I thought he did he did pretty well tonight. Led the line all right and then dropped deep when he had to. Uh, went wide when he had to and when Naismith went up top, when Naismith got his goal. So it's all right. We, we still want more from him though, don't we? And I think he realises it. You could see when the crowd was singing his name, he looked just a little bit embarrassed. You know, we're very appreciative. But um, I think he wants to pay those fans back. Um, so, yeah, uh, just walking down the street now <laughs> on my way back home, uh, round the corner, so you can probably hear the wind blowing, uh, hike to get back, uh, and I'd like to say thank you, because Mark jinxed me uh, with me ticket, and I, uh, the ticket lottery went bad for me, and my ticket didn't work. So I'd like to thank the uh, the very, very generous people who sorted my seat out uh, willingly and some not so willingly. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, but 3 0 to the Blues, uh, man of the match. Uh, Naismith put a shift in again, uh, but McCarthy. Uh, it's like when the Lille players got the ball, it's like they wanted to get shut straight away because he was snapping at the heels. I don't think he just ran, just ran them, uh, ran right in, in the middle. Um, yeah, so McCarthy again, what can you say about the fella? He's just, he could be man of the match every single game. Um, but heading back in now, and I should be back in a sec in, in the warmth and comfort of my own front room uh, with a little Sunderland preview. Okay, so back home now and um, looking ahead towards the Sunderland game at the weekend. So half one kickoff, I think, from what I can remember, um, and another win for the Blues. Uh, so that's three wins and two draws out in the last five games. Um, decent run of form we've put together. So hopefully we can go there to Sunderland on Sunday. And keep that run going. Sunderland themselves 
You know, a couple of weeks ago they had that eight nil drubbing, the hands of Southampton. Uh, Southampton looked uh, spectacular, but equally, Sunderland looked spectacularly bad. Um, the defending, you know, some of those goals were just completely on a plate for Southampton. Uh, they bounced back last week with a 3-1 win against Crystal Palace, but Crystal Palace don't look much cop lately. So um, the way we played tonight, uh, you know, recording Thursday night after the Lille game, um, you've got to say that we should go there and uh, put on a good show, really. I mean, we need to if we've got any hopes or aspirations of, you know, I don't know, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but even challenging for Champions League. Uh, you know, we haven't had the best of starts, but, you know, if we, we're starting to put a good run, run of form together. We've got the busy Christmas period around the corner. Uh, it looks like we need one more point to secure qualification to the next round in Europa. So, it all looks a little bit brighter, and hopefully we can keep that going on Sunday. Uh, Mark has done a man to watch, and he's chosen Virginie because he is so bad. So, hopefully Mark hasn't hasn't jinxed us there, and uh, we can exploit him. Um, He has also predicted, his prediction, not mine, that the Blues will run out 2-1 winners. So, any away win for me will do. Uh, 1-0, 2-1, 3-2, 4-3, whatever. Uh, as long as we just keep this good, good run of form going. Another clean sheet tonight was nice. Um, and nice to see this stand back. I know I've covered the game a little bit. But nice to see this stand back on the side and doing... Uh, okay. Yeah, he, he, he some, of his, uh, some of the passing in the second half was a little bit shaky. But... Uh, defensively looked solid and didn't look like he'd missed a beat really um, so it's good to see him back in the fold and he'll probably keep his place on Sunday as well uh, uh, we'll probably see Coleman come back into the side uh, which might be uh, see Tony Hibbert dropping down again and he'll be unlucky if he does but you know it's Coleman you know he's our, probably one of our best two or three players, so we've got to see him come back into the team. Uh, I wonder whether Etu will come back in or not. Uh, I, I'm not sure who for. You know, whether it will be straight up top for Lukaku, because Lukaku did look a little bit tired tonight uh, towards the end. Well, some people would argue that he looked a little bit tired at the beginning, but that's another story. Uh, so Etu could come back in. Uh, I, I don't know whether he was on the bench today or not. I don't think he was on the bench. So whether he's take, shaking a knock, uh, taking a knock, or not, um, at, or was just rested. But if Etu comes back in, great. Also, uh, Barkley's there to come back in as well. So we'll see a couple of changes, I'm sure, and uh, hopefully they can come in and do the biz like the lads did the biz tonight. Um, so it's getting late here again and uh, I just want to say before I go thanks to everyone for listening as always and if you are listening on SoundCloud go and subscribe to us on iTunes uh, if you have an Apple device that is and you will get the podcast weekly straight to your phone every Friday morning so uh, thanks all as always 
to those who have chipped in on Facebook and Twitter. Continue, continue to follow us uh, with a absolute nonsense sometimes uh, and the odd bit of, uh, I wouldn't call it wisdom because what the hell do we know? S- maybe a few things that make sense here and there uh, <laughs> occasionally. Uh, so thank you. Um, and I shall leave it there. Good to have Mark back for the first part of the podcast tonight and uh, hopefully be back to doing it as usual again from next Thursday. So leave it there, Blues, and hoping for a good Blue victory on Sunday. Come on, you Blues. See you later.